0: Good evening everyone. We are here today on the Black Pounds Project podcast with the one and only business GP, Mr. Albert Biggs. He's going to be walking us through some business essentials essentially and just talking about a little bit about the work he does and just seeing how we can start to feed some of that knowledge back into the community. So without further ado, I am CJ Webley. I'm going to just hand over to Albert now just to say a little bit about himself. So Albert, Tell
1: us about yourself. First of all, Cedar, thanks for inviting me. Nah. It's nice to be here on your inaugural first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a very brief background for myself. I've always been in jobs or work that have involved mm. using data to improve how a department or business runs, mm. even as a business analyst or service designer, or how we can improve efficiencies. A lot of that is to do with IT, so taking what tech's out there and how can we use that tech to make things better for the workplace. But thankfully, it didn't involve removing the human beings, it meant keeping them there and making them do their job more efficiently. Mm. Aside from that, myself, I've always been ambitious and started my own business and companies from the age of about 17, 18. Wow. I used to design stuff, design stuff, um, what used to be called desktop publishing, um, <laughs> CAD you know, photography, music, you name it, all that sort of stuff, you know, and in my family and my immediate and wider family, people run their own businesses also as well. So mm-hmm. I've also had either a mind of either working for a company to improve mm-hmm. it or working with family to grow their companies, et is that
0: kind of Is that something that kind of fed down through the generations or is it something that you just, it just made sense to you, you know, you like business?
1: That's kind of a good question. When I think back to it now, my childhood memories of my pop's, Going out the house at six in the morning and coming home at Mm. eight or nine at night, doing multiple jobs, you know, and sometimes he worked for others. Other times he found work for himself, you know, and everything in between. And then, so when I saw my older brothers, when they turned adult age, they started working, they'd be like buying and selling cars, Mm. buying and selling watches, you know, into like side hustle that is legal that they can do to bring an extra income in. So I was, seeing them doing that i also seeing siblings go for a normal job so mm-hmm. i'll never say that having a job's wrong you know because they went for a job they got their mortgage they pay the bills etc you know mm-hmm. but i had two lots of things presented to me as a child mm-hmm. and um as i grew up i just thought oh, i try and find the balance in between you know between yeah. both of them
0: i kind of want to hone in on that point actually um because there's this idea I think particularly something that pervades you know our community the black community that you know if you're an entrepreneur then that means you know you shouldn't really be working at the same time as that that you should really just be focusing 100 on whatever it is but you know i i personally believe that that everybody's circumstance is different and therefore i don't see it as any less valid if it's you know you're working and doing something on the side you know what
1: like i totally agree if you can get a job somewhere when you're young, you're starting out in the career ladder, you all start at the bottom on, unless you're really fortunate. But Mm. once you get to a certain level of experience, you can find a job that can pay you, that gives you job satisfaction, Mm. that you can grow in, Mm. that gives you holiday pay, sick pay, you know, um, bank holidays off. And you can do that around developing your own thing. Why would you not do that? Why would you not keep that safety net there for you whilst you grow and develop your own thing? You know, the mentality we have now is that you know i'm self-made be mm-hmm. the boss be the boss you know yeah. all the time that's all cool when you mean the boss and self-made but that comes with lots of sacrifice and Dead you know so it's less about what you think you will gain from being the boss it's almost more about the starting point what are you are prepared to give up and mm-hmm. sacrifice and when you walk out of a job and i've seen it many times far too many times people get x-factor syndrome <laughs> you know, what I'm saying the goal. Oh, we can sing in go on stage and they get three X's and they get buzzed off. Yeah, we get the same thing in their in their business life. Oh, I want to start an idea. That's a really good idea, Albert. You should go and do it. And they gas you up. Yeah, you go ahead. Mm. Don't put any money into supporting you. Yeah, don't give you any guidance on how to do it, and they probably have no background at all in what they encourage you to go and do. Yeah, and you go and leave your job. Probably a good job. Wow. You get tech health, you start a career and then you end up saying, I ain't got no money. Why is no one that helping me? I can't pay my bills. What have I done? And you see all those statistics of people starting companies and closing them so quickly. So I've never been opposed to having a job as well, alongside growing your own thing. Yeah. And in my instances, in most of my jobs in my career, I managed to go from working five days to four days and
0: yeah. then part-time
1: so yeah. i had a little bit of income coming in to pay the bills whilst doing something at the side as well
0: yeah so that i mean that that's a really interesting point because i guess the narratives you know and and i don't know if you've touched on the work that you do at the growth hub but um mm-hmm. i know through conversations we've had prior you know there's a lot of people that come to you with ideas um but they're not may not be necessarily checking out the the um the validity of the idea mm-hmm. you know before they've even set it up do you know what i mean so people are coming maybe coming to you at a stage where you know maybe they had a seed of an idea but they've decided already to just start registering it and, and going that route as opposed to seeking out the guidance validating the need for that business before you know going all the way in and investing all their hard earned money into it you know what what's your experience of that so when people that's hundred percent like to go back to what I do, like you mentioned at the start of the point, yeah. like
1: I'm like a business GP, as you introduced me, like, people come to me, like go to GP with all these ailments, all these symptoms, you mm. know, and you speak to me and I try my best to, to get you to the right specialist. you mm. without support. That's in my job, my day-to-day job outside of work. The same thing as well. People always approach me outside of work because of what I do in my past career, asking yeah. for the same advice. More times than not, as you just said, they had an idea. Family and friends have almost through flames and the fire to make it even bigger idea, the one it actually is. And yeah. by the time they approach me, they're usually in some level of financial problems.
2: Mm.
1: The company or the business is getting no traction.
2: Mm. Yeah. You know,
1: they've they're frustrated yeah. and they're angry. And in some instances, Depending on who you've gone to business with, be it their uncle, husband, wife, children, mm-hmm. family, friends, there's massive relationship breakdown because when you mix the, the the friendships with the business and the lack of success, yeah, it breaks it all down, you know. And if only before doing anything at all,
2: yeah,
1: they will say, "I've got an idea." Okay, let me call the growth hub or one of the growth hubs, or let me call. A friend who's actually in that field of business, yeah. or let me call someone who I know will always give me an honest opinion. Let me call Mister, Mrs. Sensible, who will just give me some cautious advice to say, mm-hmm. "What am I doing before walking out of a job and throwing myself wholesale?" People have been mortgaged their homes.
0: Why is that? Well, what, what? Why are people not? You know, because obviously we've, we've set up. The, I've set up the Black Pants Project, and you know, mm-hmm. it started with the seed of an idea. I didn't necessarily know it was going to become what it has become. Um, but I guess that that kind of sparked out of the need. And it was about validating that need. What do people need? They need access. But so people are people are approaching us as Black Pounds Project. But why, why do you feel that, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, that many people from the Black community or even the, the wider ethnic minority community are not accessing, you know, resources that are available to them through the growth hubs? What, what's going on there?
1: So let me do two things. One, let me just talk on behalf of the growth and behalf of myself. So they're two separate yeah, yeah, yeah. opinions. Um, over the years, the government's always changed different types of business support models as they learn from the past failings and how to improve for the future. Mm-hmm. The growth up since 2014 is the latest model that works better than the previous models of business support. There is always the need for us to always promote what we do more. And it's a constant game for actually, how can we keep up with where people are going to Mm. learn information? If you went back 10 years, people only looked on Google. Yeah. And it became Facebook, Instagram, Twitch. As those things grow, we have to grow, adapt, and change and put information on there. And to be fair, we have got lots of info on those platforms.
2: Mm.
1: That's that's what the growth does. It needs to keep on doing, keep on improving. Um, the other factor, and talking to myself personally outside of the growth of my own opinion, is that for our community, a lot of times we already believe we won't be successful in getting that support or that help. It's oh, like okay. a default mindset. Okay, yeah. so when when people are black, eventually approach me and talk to me, like, oh man, I thought I would have got turned down or turned away, or there's a cost involved, or I didn't think you would help me. I'm just saying because they're so used, we are so used. In the business world to experiencing failure on a certain level. Yeah. We apply it in every situation. And it's kind of sad because that isn't always the case. You know, there are plenty of people out there that would help you. There's equal amount that would not, you know, but there are ones that will help. But because of the experience of living in this common climate, and we can sometimes always assume the negative will happen, even when that is not the case, you know, because there are people out there that will help you do it. So it means they end up going to a different a different resource. They don't try to apply some instances, or equally, they're unaware it's not there. So we have to tackle the issue about making greater awareness in the right areas. Yeah. But the other half is us as a community understanding that not everyone's against us.
0: Yeah, yeah. So so it's almost that there's of course barriers to access in terms of the information is not being received or that's a, what in the in the communities back exactly you know, yep. but then there's also the, the mental barrier where it's mm-hmm. like okay you know I don't feel like I can get the information that I need or the help that I need so therefore I'm not even going to bother doing it in the first place or it
1: so and so I can add something to that as well CJ and that's also true of people when I speak to them black people like we talk about black people now and we are people yeah. minorities when I speak to them they also had that same negative perception of other black organizations.
2: Yeah.
1: That they assume because it is black, it may not be as good as another organization. So mm-hmm. even those that negative thought that stereotyping applies to their own as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so when they approach themselves, so I've heard about the organization, but I didn't want to go there. Yeah. So I didn't think there'd be any good. So I come to you instead. So you are exactly right, Ethan, that like you said. We need to create greater awareness in the right place. But even still within the community itself there are elements of not of us not expecting the best from each other in terms of support right.
0: right so i mean i guess so what are some of the common kind of i guess comments that you get so just touching on that thing about we don't expect
1: yeah so i get comments it's outside the work outside of my black country growth of work i get comments that when people speak to me about business, it's like, oh, listen, if I know I've got this organisation, I know my what they call my customer journey. They don't use that word, but my customer journey will be poor. Mm. They'll be slow in response. They're only going to want money. If they are charging money, it'll be far more expensive than any other else, anyone else. Yeah, often the same thing from a different culture. The quality won't be as good. And I already know what they know. And those are probably the five common things that I get from people in that instance, and they're and they're based upon stereotypes, aren't they? Yeah,
2: but yeah. they're
1: also based upon a level of some real experience in all communities, yeah. in all communities, all races. You also encounter someone of your own race who is not good at what they do. <laughs> that's, wow. just, that's factual. Factual matters. Like you can't escape that. I don't care with your your white English Jew Jamaican Australian. You know. You know Chinese. There's always people in your culture who aren't good at what they do, but try to get you to come to them to get your money. That's just yeah. part of factual life. But I noticed that in talking to a black man from my own black experience when I encounter black people, that they expect that lower level of service from those particular areas from other black businesses.
0: Wow, that's 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 crazy. And but I guess, you know, even with the Black Pants projects, it's because we're still growing at the same time we we have to be really transparent and we are very transparent about the fact that you know we will get back to everyone but it won't be necessarily in the time frame that or time scale that you would expect Mm -hmm. from you know say another organization whether it be the growth hub whether it be the prince's trust or or, um uh, the chambers of this world there's there's a degree of growth pains and growth pains means we're trying to the infrastructure is there everything is there but it's just literally the the, um, the time scale is going to be a little bit slower. Mm-hmm. So how do you kind of, yeah, how would you, from your experience, just based on like your knowledge, how would you kind of manage that process of growing pains? Like how do you try to compete with, let's say, all the organisations out there, but be on your own kind of journey at the same yeah, time? Yeah,
1: so the first thing I would never try and do is compete. Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to name anyone on your podcast who isn't sponsoring you. But there's a very famous, there's two big famous manufacturers of phones and Mm -hmm. one does it in white all the time. Like their customer experience, they put so much money, hundreds of millions, if not billions, into marketing and the customer experience. And people stick to a certain brand or something, even if they pay more money, because the customer experience is good for them of any sort. If I was in your situation and you're growing a needed business, Support in the business community, mm. then I would not try to compete with what our people are doing. Mm. The parts that you're able to do quickly and do in responsive time, I would focus on making those things go well yeah. and always done to the best of your ability. yeah Because you would need a team of admin support to respond to all the emails, the text messages you're getting all the time. And you haven't got that at the moment. Yeah. But what you have got, your core group of people that you have work your that responsive, I would say, let's make sure that we're always sit in this part of what we do right now, on mm-hmm. the ball, regularly. And we set out a clear timeline for how we do it to the, so everyone knows who's getting us and we always stick to that. At least then they know that the parts that you're able to do now as a growing company, you are doing well. And then that will create buying. Like for instance, I um, I do a lot of mountain biking, a lot of cycling.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And um it's a company that it's probably quarter the price of everyone else. And it's really good quality, Mm. but the website's terrible. It's an international (laughs) company's world. It's it's actually an open joke. Everyone knows it's dirt cheap, but to get it from that website, there's pure pain. Yeah. Like it will take you an hour as opposed to five minutes somewhere else. So people often end up going, you know, I ain't got out of spare. So so I end up paying double what I could save somewhere else because the experience is so bad. You know, and so, so I'm paying more money for something that I can get cheaper, but because it's more done on time and it's quick. And for you, I think it will be more of a case of the parts that you can control right now,
2: mm.
1: from A to Z, 100%, and you can do well. Folks aren't doing those parts well. They will build a good reputation. And the people yeah. that engage you will know about it. And the other parts that other people are doing better than you at the moment because they've got more resources, as you grow you can match that in time
0: yeah that, that now nah, that's that's really sound advice I think sometimes you know particularly from a business perspective it's always about because there's a there's an onus on who are your competitors you know what I mean because you know I I sell this organization because I just felt like you know I, from from childhood early childhood I'm hearing black business not professional black business you know that's saying they're gonna be there at this time and not mm-hmm. there and the customer service was, but I'm thinking, well, that's from when I was a child and I'm sure that these kind of same rhetorics and, and narratives have been there from yeah. when you were a child as well. So- let's, let's
1: take one of those things, for example, you mentioned um, not being there one time. Yeah. So to a large degree, all of us, if you're your own boss, your own company, or business, whatever it is, mm. should be able to be in control of your time when it's your day for doing your work. i put aside like obviously emergencies and things going wrong, just in a yeah. normal day. Most of the time you should be able to control your time. So is there a real reason for anyone, I don't care what culture you are for not opening a shop up on time, always being late. The things that you heard as a child,
2: yeah.
1: are any of those things valid? Now, I think some of those things you can control most of the time. Yeah. So if most of the time you are opening up on time and closing on time, et cetera, it builds a good reputation. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying about stop trying to compete other people, just focus on what you can control. And in a normal day to day life, when you're working for yourself, you are usually in control of all that time or most of that time throughout that day. So, at the very basic, being open on time as a shop, for instance, should be what we should be aiming for, you know? So,
0: yeah. But how, but my thing is, how can that be like a widely understood narrative that? that a lot of let's say if it's a black caribbean restaurant they'll they'll like put a sign on the door saying you know me gone break five minutes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why is that like a is it is it because we're bringing in that kind of you know i can only speak from a caribbean perspective mm-hmm. because you know, that's my culture but is that something that's been is that acceptable in in jamaica maybe and then the you know because we're coming from a british perspective that sort of thing is not accepted so then you know when second third generation caribbean british you know um people we're kind of thinking well the british shops don't operate like that and that's what we expect so why do we you know is is that i guess the question i'm asking is is that unprofessional or is it just that the business owners are not adapting to the the climate that you know we expect as as british customers yeah
1: so you and i my parents are jamaican as well Mm. and they were first generation of them. That's 90 years old. Those first generation of in this country. When I went to yeah. Jamaica, and I I see my family out there, see how they operate. Mm. Like my mom's family are in the are in like education. So you can't afford to be late.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. you got
1: to be in there on time.
2: Yeah.
1: But we talk about bringing across culture into the UK. It shouldn't be alien to anyone in Jamaica. And mm. I'm going to get cost of saying this, but it is facts of facts. Most of Jamaican's GDP, it's money that it comes to the country. Most of it comes from tourism. Yeah. So most people are aware that hotels there, they're open, they're closed at a certain time, they operate, they have taxis, they have airport shuttle runs. We see en masse in Jamaica, all the things that operate in a timely fashion. Mm. So when you come over here, if as a Jamaican or as someone like us, second or third generation, when we go back home, touch run on time, so when we come back here, we should expect that things should be on time. Mm-hmm. Now, there is no problems, someone say, sure, we go up on break, 15 minutes, yeah. 20 minutes. You can do that as much as you want. So long as you know that the people that go there at that time may not come back. Yeah. And you're okay with that, that's all right, that's okay. Like, like, you can do what you want. Like, if you want to close early, open late, that's okay. Mm. But the people that are going to go there and come there on a regular basis who may have a normal job, they have a normal eight to six, nine to five structured job, who go to in the morning time, they can't afford to wait 15, 20 minutes because they've got to be in work on time. And if you're not open, they always go somewhere else. And that's the nature of business. Yeah. Business is a cold, hard, calculated place. It's based upon numbers and figures. If you right. aren't there on time, just go somewhere else. Mm. The client doesn't really care about the culture unless they're going there just for that cultural experience mm. if most of your clients are, are normal working people in normal jobs yeah. then they really can't afford you to, to be closed and open randomly at different times because so let's go somewhere else and so, trust me the market will provide alternatives for you quickly
2: yeah
0: and that's that's something that needs to be understood isn't it it's you know, you, I mean, take let's take Turtle Bay, for example. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Tur- like, people have been running, I remember there's, there's, there's a couple Caribbean, I'm from um, Birmingham, so the um, majority of the Caribbean restaurants I went to were in, I think, actually, the first Caribbean restaurant I went to, and I, I recall, was called Russell's, and that was in, I think it's in Nietzsche's or Hansworth, I can't remember. But um, I remember that was the first one I went to as a child. And then there were quite a few Caribbean restaurants sprouting up. I think this was in the last, it's definitely been within the last 10 years or so. There's been quite an influx in, in Caribbean restaurants starting up. Um, but yeah, I haven't really seen that growth. I haven't seen much expansion like in terms of like a brand. And then Turtle Bay came along and it's like, we do Caribbean food, but it became a brand. And I, how did that happen? And I am sure I don't know who it's owned by or, or mm-hmm. much about it, but, you know, how did that happen that we've got so many different Caribbean people that are setting up businesses, but no one's really creating a brand? Mm-hmm.
1: Like well, last time I checked about Turtle Bay, it wasn't black owned. I don't know who owns it. Was um, it? And it, and it wasn't black owned last time I checked looked at it. Um and If I'm wrong, please correct me. But last time I checked, it wasn't. But all to Bay did was take all the best elements of a traditional Caribbean restaurant and just pull it into a structure that fits the UK climate. Yeah. That's the nature business. That isn't like, it's not hard to work out. You know, you take what people want or you create what people want and you make it accessible. Yeah, And you let them know it's accessible between these times or on these platforms. And if they want it, they will come to it. Mm. Come and get it. Or go and bite. That's all that they did. Now, I'm not gonna run down to T- Bay. The food isn't for me. I've been there once or twice, and it wasn't for me, you know. But yeah. like, like I said, my, my parents are much older than most people's parents, mm. so I come from a different stock, you know. So it wasn't for me, but you know, yeah. if it is black owned, go to Telto If It's not black-owned, go to Turtle Bay, go to whatever you feel like eating. But yeah. I just noticed that they took the best parts and applied it in a good structure
2: mm. to go
1: to the people. And that's the basic of business. And you can see they obviously had good startup funding yeah. to get to where they're going to, whether it was seed funding, whether it was self-funded or what, I don't know. But they, they were able to market themselves, put themselves in certain places, of prominence Yeah. on a mass scale, and it sold. So people clearly want to eat Jamaican food.
2: Yeah.
1: But maybe before the problem was there wasn't a clearly defined brand, which is, you know, like you are the brand, you, CJ, other brand of Black Pound, you know, product, you're the brand. Um, there wasn't a clearly defined brand. And maybe, as you mentioned before, there wasn't regularity in accessibility to those services and those products which put people's off. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. But that probably fit with me because there is no reason why the previous Jamaican shops couldn't have said, okay, we've got a shop, it's going really well, been there five, ten years. Let's look at franchising it. Mm. And I think, I think Aunt Sally's might be a franchise, I think, you know, yeah. so, so the franchise themselves and grow, that could have been done from 10, 15 years ago. Mm. Part of that problem is, I think, is one lack of experience. Like we've not had as black people, yeah. we've not always had the accessibility for the financial literacy with a business education to allow us to understand how those things can possibly
0: work. That's what, that's what I mean in terms of access. I mean, the project, the, the Black Pants Project is all about trying to bring these things into the equation, because as you say, financial literacy, business kind of acumen, mm-hmm. these things are not what we expect from our community. And then, you know, when we were talking before about accessing the resources, is it is it that we have been as a, as the black community, we have been denied that access or is it that we don't know where to look for it? And I guess that's kind of a similar
1: yeah.
0: question. But is it because we have not, not many people in those positions like you are now to really feed that information back to the community? Is that, is yeah, that- I think that
1: the answer to your question is yes to both of them. Mm. Yes, we have denied accessibility. We have been denied it. That's just factual. The banks have said that, you know, yeah. last meeting I was at um, a few months ago, I think you were there as well, Barclays and Lloyd said, we know we have an issue with this situation. You know, mm. that, that, that's what happens. So that's true. 100% true. The other part is that we don't know where to look for it. But adding to that again, we also, if are doing know where to, to look for it, we expect an answer to be no, so we don't apply anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, it's so deep, isn't it? When you think about, like, I guess what this project is, you know, trying to really address here. And um, I think, you know, when I talk, when I think about the whole. When I think about the journey, I didn't necessarily want to be the front runner of it. Yeah. You I mean, I kind of set it up because I was like, OK, there must be people out there who know about this stuff and would if we all just come together, We can basically do, but then there's there's different issues. Like people are in, you know, I don't, I'm not going to name any names at all. But you know, people are in certain positions, and I've met them, and you know, they'll speak to me off the record and say, yeah, yeah, this this what this what's happening, this what needs to happen. But then, in terms of them actually hitting the ground running with you and saying, you know what, this project is trying to do x, y, and z. I'm in this position. You know, I would like, you know, to, to be able to leverage some of that support from our organizations. but I don't see much of that happening. And, you know, I'm wondering, because I guess you you have a different energy and you have a different perspective. I think that's maybe because this is, you know, you have a lot of different, your hands in many different pots. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if, do you think that sometimes because people have that one part and that one part is their role in X organization, that they're less inclined to, they, they see it as a risk to be seen as too pro, you know, um, mm. one, you know, mm-hmm. particular group.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I don't care much for politics. <laughs> most of it is politics.
2: Mm.
1: You know, it's, it is about how they can present themselves, whoever that person may be, individual organisation. Yeah, It's politics. And, you know, Black Lives Matter, Mm. change a lot of those things. People become super woke. Someone are getting involved with it because they want to get involved with it. Others mm. because they have to get involved with it. Others just decline from getting involved with it. You know, and I think for us as black people and for any race, you want someone to help you reach out to you because they want to do it. Yeah. And that's why behind us in this podcast, I've been seeing some people that I think you should contact with. Mm. People have been doing support across the ethnic minority, as they call us, um, okay. for years, since so 2010, 2005, 2000, before this fashionable, they've been doing this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I have different races as well, white and Asian people, you know, sub-Asian people getting involved, trying to support us. So when you see that happening from back then, you know that they have a, a true interest in supporting us yeah. in growth. The difficult part for you now is that you can reach out to a 1,000 people, 1,000 partners, and you make a 100 So that are going to work with you. You and your board's greatest issue now, I believe, is sitting there working out who's actually in it for the right reasons and self-benefit, you know? So I'm not going to call any companies out because you can't do that at this stage. But Mm. once you start to engage with them, yourself and your team, over the period of time, you begin to work out who's actually in it for the right reasons or not, you know? And that's the difficult part about it. So you're right. My, My hands is in many parts, but my hands in many parts outside of work, I make it my... My, inch, my interest, my you interest, know, my job to look at the wider business scape, to mm. look at all the area, look at the landscape, see what's out there. See who's helping us, you know, see who I can work with, who I can't work with yeah. as much as possible. Try to share that knowledge. And that's thing That's a barrier for all sorts as well. People will find something good and hold it to themselves and not share, not share with anyone else. And because they think they're going to lose out.
0: that's 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 a really key point i mean i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say you know black Pants projects is the first organization offering business support i know there are there are organizations out there that are providing business support for the black and ethnic minority community i don't know the ins and outs of how it works but one of the things i've found is that people like for example me now i i've you know tapped into people like yourself and and other people at the growth hub so I've, I've managed to acquire a lot of information so I felt I feel like a lot of the organizations that I've observed have that information and then they say okay let me slap this membership fee on if you want access to that, <laughs> that information you, you better you better be paying your 100 pound a month for whatever it is I mean 100 pound a month's a lot but yeah 100 pound a year or 200 pound subscription fee and we'll feed you that information as and well when you ask for it but my thing is But this is information that's free and readily available to them. Of course, if you want someone, you know, just speak in um, context of our uh, eight businesses on our mentorship scheme, you know, if they want someone to give them that hands-on practical support to say, you know what, this is what you need for marketing. We can do it for you for X amount of fee. That Mm -hmm. makes sense because they're actually sitting with you and doing the work with you. Mm -hmm. But you just, like, I don't think people should have to pay you know, through the nose for information that they should already have access to. But I just feel like, you know, what? Why do you think there's so many organisations saying, you know, black business support, BAME support, and then you go on the website and it says, oh yeah, fifty pound membership fee just just to to get, you know, a conversation with, with a one to one. Yeah. Know?
1: So um, I do a bit of self plugging about the growth hubs. They mm-hmm. were set up to offer support for free. Now, this so we signpost. We don't deliver their support so we have a limitation upon what we can do um but it is free because the government pays us to get the advice out for free Mm. but because we don't deliver mainly because the government can't outcompete it's other companies that work under the government um it it set the 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 landscape up for people to try to fill those gaps now I, i always look at if it was on your situation and I was thinking, I've been told, okay, 100 pound, 200 pound a year to access support for my community. I'm looking at a couple of things, like one, who owns that company? Because mm-hmm. you might might be owned by a larger company, owned by another larger company that's thought, okay, it's a holding market here. Let's let's create something quickly, pull it there and we can get a little of that, that market share. Mm-hmm. That tends to be the case. And the other half could be, someone with the right interest setting it all up but not understanding the clientele yeah that may people maybe maybe not maybe not people from the Bane community can't afford to pay or maybe they can afford to pay but they probably don't know something you said at the very beginning of this conversation mm. that they set up companies not knowing the true landscape of what they're going into yeah, yeah. so they say oh, okay this company charges x amount Per day, per month, per year, blah blah. We're gonna do the same. Yeah, well, it may not be appropriate for yeah. who you're aiming at.
0: Yeah, and it and it's it's not about directly. I, I use the word lightly exploiting the the people that you're trying to support. For example. You know, I just want to tie into something we we're speaking about the other day. There's a lot of people that approach you and and us mm-hmm. um, as a project as well and that fall under a CIC structure.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, a lot of people, I think they go online and say, you know, I care about the community, so I'm going to set up a charitable organisation. Well, charities, are. there's a lot more that you have to do behind the scenes to, to set up a charity. You know, there's a lot more technicalities. Whereas a CIC kind of falls under that that limited company structure. So it's a bit more simple to get that set up. So people, um, you know, what I've found, they just set up a CIC and they say, yeah, I want to help the community. Now let me go and get some grant funding. (laughs) And so why do you think or what's your perspective on why? people are setting up so many cics particularly from our community you know to do with, let's say it's a knife crime project or you know you prevent youth violence project or going to schools to speak to young people like why are so many of us setting up setting up these initiatives under a cic structure what you know
1: yeah i'll agree i think you're hitting that on the head like we are from the community mm. and if you go up in the community and you see you see the violence firsthand Mm. You may have known someone. Like, unfortunately, I have known people over the years to be shot or stabbed, et cetera, you know, and um, young people too as well that I personally knew. And you're like, okay, you see, I now want to address that issue. Mm. So I think they always come from a good place in wanting to do some good in the local community. Mm. The second thing is, okay, how do we access finance, as you mentioned, and they quickly get told or hear about that, CICs can apply for a certain level of grant funding. And so they stick f- focusing on that one thing. If yeah. I get grant funding, grant funding, grant funding, yeah. I can leave my current my current job and go and do this full time. And that's yeah. how, that's what some men do. Focus on that, leave their job, do this full time. Yeah. But they then become one of the thousands of people doing exactly the same thing. Yeah. And so they're like the salmons, the salmon going upstream all together, trying to fight to get to the same place. And what will make it better for them is if they said to themselves, okay, I want to go and do this. Let me look and see what's out there. Already doing this and let me approach them and say, okay, right. I've already got a job, but at the weekends or the evening times, can I volunteer my time to work with you?
2: Yeah.
1: And as they volunteer their time to work in they can learn more organization, they can maybe even get the people that they work currently work for to sponsor that organization, mm. give them the funding to help that organizational grow. So if you had an umbrella organ, like you can be black pounds project could be an umbrella organization.
2: Yeah.
1: Under which many other CICs sit under,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but you're all organized in the unified approach or yeah. in like a scattergun approach. Everyone's doing the same thing in a thousand places at the same time. So it's those two things. We are, we are aware, Anyone's in the CIC is aware personally of the issues that they want to address it. Yeah. In the last race. But two, um, we, we, or most commonly I get told, when people talk to me about CIC, it's because they know that they can access funding more quickly. Yeah. The sad thing is that most of them should actually be a charity. Yeah. Because they're not set up to run it as a self sustaining business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I speak to them, like, actually, what you should have done is taking the longer road. And yeah. become a charity and go down that road. Get yeah. Actually, better match for them for what they really want to do. When you're CIC, you may get startup funding or bit the injection of cash every now and again. But from that point you really got to work out how you can do, like what you're, you're doing at the moment, work out how to be self-sustaining. Yeah. How do I keep the lights on for the community? Yeah. But some men may end up thinking, well, how do I pay myself a wage? Or pay my mortgage, or pay my bills, which is not bad. But you start yeah. to blur the lines between being mainly for the community
0: or mainly for yourself. That's it. So, so would you recommend then? Before, I mean, this ties in again to what we we're saying at the beginning. Before people go online and you know, because I think a lot of a lot of it happens on impulse.
2: Yeah. Like
0: people think you know, I'm I'm sick of this. They will watch the news. I think I'm sick of these. You know, I'm sick of black black boys <laughs> yeah. making each other. I'm gonna I, I need to do something mm-hmm. which I you know I felt that you know that same thing about you know um, when I looked out the window of the Birmingham rep and I saw everyone you know saying Black Lives Matter and I saw the community together I said you know what I love this and I want it to be sustained I don't just want this to be another protest that just we we have and then in years to come we say oh somebody else has passed away let's do it sorry somebody else has been murdered mm-hmm. let's do another march and I'm thinking great that we come together but let's sustain that energy and actually do something so I, I completely understand that sometimes on impulse you want to set something up but what i did was i went first forward with the need mm-hmm. the Need was the need was that in from my perspective um like i say slogan big changes come from small change so mm-hmm. i was saying look 5,000 people there. Imagine if we all gave two pounds, what could mm-hmm. we do with that money to support the community? That's, that's mm-hmm. all it was to start. And I was like, let me see if people are really about that action. So I put it out there. You know, anything could have happened. It might not have even, even worked, but, you know, I, I led with the, the need. So mm-hmm. put it out there, see who's going to match that energy. But, you know, ultimately the, the, the money did come. But then I realized, okay, because I know that people have put their money in, it can be registered now because I've validated the need. Yeah. So then if I was going to go and speak to, you know, investors or or grant funders, I can say, look, the community raised this within the month, you know, let's you, you can now match that and help us sustain it. You know, it doesn't didn't work out, you know, as smoothly as that, but it's still a conversation we can have because we've we've evidenced that the community wants what we're offering um, yeah. and needs it and will back it financially also. Um, so I guess to, to hone off the point, it's, or, or ask a follow-up question, why do people like go the route of setting it up before going to the community and getting people involved in it? Mm-hmm. You know?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of that could come down to the person's working background. Mm. Uh, what they do for a living can drive what you do as a job or as a career or as a business how you go about those actions so before you was doing Black Pounds Project what was you doing before? Your teacher, TA, I, so I, you your a teacher?
0: So I was um, I did teach for a year but I was basically just oh, kind of, I was going into schools and facilitating schools uh, workshops to try and get young uh, children at risk of like exclusion um, into creative writing because I believe in the arts as a mechanism for for change and and channeling those energetic propensities you know so that was I was working in schools yeah. Mm. Did that make
1: sense to me then that you did what you did because schools by their nature you get you get educated to take an exam to get a result Mm. and that exam is a reflection of the input into you or yeah. your plan. So you, you, the, the whole goal is that I want to come out of school with good grades. So yeah. the very beginning of your school career, you know what the end goal is, and it's very, career, very clear about what that end goal is. So you're working at a school environment. Also, not taking away nothing from this, but you have to apply to yourself the common sense. Mm-hmm. Not everyone has it. You know, the common sense, yeah. you know, the good parentage, the good people around you will also add you to think, actually, before I go and do anything, let me ask the question, is this actually needed?
2: Yeah.
1: And that applies in the micro level. You know, from impulse buying, you know, being a shopaholic, you know, buying stuff on Instagram or internet, you know, like, do I actually, this actually need to go before I go and buy? So, to answer your question, you are the model of what people should be doing. People don't do it, as I said before, it's because they get that impulsive desire to want to fix a problem. And because the problem feels urgent and it probably is urgent, yeah. they take urgent action. I'm going to go on tonight. I'm going to set the website up. I'm going to set zones. I'm going to set, do this so-and-so and -and Mm so-and-so. But at no point anyone asked them, (laughs) is it needed? But more so, is it already being done?
0: Yeah, it is neat. I mean, we don't want to get it twisted and say that it's not needed because those projects are absolutely needed. We need people speaking to young people Mm -hmm. and trying to channel their energy and some positive things. That's Mm -hmm. absolutely needed and it's imperative. Um. But I just wanted to, to tie it back in as well to to how the, the project came about. But like I didn't I didn't put myself in this position. People mm-hmm. put me in this in this position. You mm-hmm. get what I mean? Because I said my, my very first thing was big changes come from small change. I want to work with midland charities and business professionals and leaders across the region to see what we can do with this money to move it forward. Mm-hmm. It was never about me. It was always about the we, the wider we. But what happened was because people you know, and I've spoken to a lot of people about why they didn't set up something similar like this. And they said, because they're not like I didn't come from a business background necessarily. So they were saying we would get, you know, bugged down with the, with the logistics and the, and the nitty gritty. So we wouldn't know how to just pursue it with that, you know, uh, the creative spirit. So I was like, OK, so in order to move the project forward, I have to just be myself and mm-hmm. hopefully people will, will want to come aboard. And that's exactly what happened. Like, I didn't put myself in a position to say, come follow me, guys. I've got the answers. No, what I was saying was, what I can do is speak to the people who have their own answers and their own experiences, and I can put them, to, I can bring them on board this project.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
0: I didn't, I think, when we talk about validating the need as well, you know, um, it's about are people putting you in that position to lead this mm-hmm. thing? Because there are people who have been called, I believe, to the community has spoken and said, that's the person we want leading that thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah. do, you, do you reckon it's about also, you know, knowing yourself? Because, you know, when just thinking about the wider business context as well, the people sometimes just set up things that aren't, you know, them. Yeah,
1: going into business, mm. it's a lonely path. You should probably find it out right now. <laughs> you know, it's a lonely path that you walk and... Entering in the business world, it's full of lions, sharks, mm. predators. People are because people go into business for two one, two reasons. Mm-hmm. One for power, or two for money, or yeah. vice versa. It's all around those two reasons: power, money. And occasionally, you know, people are going for CICs, good reasons, but the main two reasons are power and money, you know. And when you can when you're in the business world, of people with the majority mindset is, how do I earn as much as possible? Then they will take from you, they will fight you, and they will bite you. And you know, and how do I get the most amount of power so I can be in control of a certain situation right now? So when people are evaluating that need, mm. like you mentioned, and those things are needed, and about let me offer it out into the world, that's a good thing they're doing, trying to solve an issue. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: But if they knew themselves well and we're honest, they may say actually. I know that I, I'm the person that can go out and I can raise X amount of thousands of pounds for charity,
2: yeah.
1: but I can't run the company. Mm. So I've got two two options. Do I say to people in the industry or people that I know, listen, I'll go and work with you mm. or work for you or with you to do the fundraising part. For, mm. so people can work for Black Pounds Projects, you know, as game changers, go out and do the fundraising for you. Pro bono, because they want to help you grow. Or they can say, listen, nah, listen, I I I want to be in control and do that at the same time. I'm yeah. not good at business. So let me get together with people. bring on board people on board with me. Yeah. Help me achieve who can end up check me, give me check and balances. Yeah. Give me some honest appraisal. Fill in the gaps that I don't have and then roll it out, which what I think you did. You did yeah. the second part yeah. of the situation. You know, so what people don't always do that, you know, because like I always say that I'm never too old to be a student. Yeah, you know, I learn more every single day from anyone, young and old. You know, but mm-hmm. people that aren't, aren't wouldn't say to themselves, "Actually, I don't know all," because especially in business, no one knows it all at mm-hmm. all. It's a constant learning thing all the time. And if you think you knew it all a year ago, when that changed when the pandemic hit, did that change everything? <laughs> you know, so everything you knew before may not even apply anymore in some instances. So <laughs> it's about being humble in that way, understanding. You know, am I better at supporting someone? Yeah achieve the ultimate goal or am i better at being the person taking that lead and mm. if i am i can go forward but if i need help i should ask, ask for that help from people to grow
0: you think that's it's so i mean that's a really powerful point you know do you think a lot of people struggle with that because i you know i have uh, you know i'm running this initiative but there's, there's other initiatives that other people are running that i'm supporting as well because i believe in the growth of 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 what they're doing do so you think that's something that you know, as a community, we need to think more about like what collaboration means.
2: You know? 100% like
1: partnerships, mm. like, example of a partnership, you know, people who um, go to university, and say if they're creating, they're doing a degree, the master's degree on creating games. And quite often as part of the project, they may get told, okay, your, your exam would be to create a game, we're gonna put you in the group. If they get on really well, they may come out of university and form a partnership it can be between two yeah. and 20 people. You're still all sole traders. You keep your own profits. You're responsible for your own taxes, but you're, now you're working together with people on a common goal. Yeah. Because you probably couldn't create a game all by yourself at home. Yeah. Same people working with you, you achieve it a lot quickly. It's like that old saying, it's that old, very famous African, I believe it's African proverb. Mm-hmm. If you want to go quick, go alone. Yeah. If you want to go far, go together. So that's, that works in all areas of life, you know, um, as quick as Usain Bolt is. Yeah. He couldn't run 400 meters quicker than a a relay team batting around like he's quick, but he's not that quick and she needs to work together with other people. I think people aren't aware how partnerships work, so stay away from it. And if they do know how they work, they quite often want to be the person in control. Yeah for whatever reason, that's that's multiple reasons for doing that, you know, but that seems to be the case in my experience. I want to be the control, I want the power, or I don't (laughs) want to give up the money, but actually a lot more can be achieved by working together. And you can learn so much by volunteering your time to work with someone, even like once or twice Mm -hmm. a month, Mm -hmm. particularly an organization you want to create yourself. It's already Mm -hmm. established. You can see how they operate. You can see how they run. And the parts that they can't do or don't do well, you can try and change them. If they don't change it, then go and form your own. But at least you're then doing stuff with like an informed decision. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, just feeding back into that, the the importance of networking, because that word just Mm -hmm. gets thrown around, like networking, networking. But for me, networking is about, have it so first. I mean, you mentioned to me um, earlier today, but the idea about the advisory board. Mm-hmm. How many? How many of these CICs that come to you and approach you with their idea? They have an advisory board in place. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I would say that very few have an advisory board because I don't think they need it. But no. the ones that do, they've just appointed a family and friend.
2: Yeah.
1: Just like okay, I need I need to I need to do this for these requirements. So, hey, you're free, CJ. Okay, I'll put you down there. I'll put you down there, Tom. And that's, that's what they do. There's mm-hmm. no thought given, gone into what they're trying to achieve. What's the, what's the end goal here? You know, is the person on the advisory board in it for the end goal? Yeah. Or are they in it? So they can put down their CV or on their LinkedIn page. I'm a board member of so-and-so and so-and-so. Okay, yeah. that, that doesn't help the aim of the project or whatever you're trying to achieve or fix.
0: And that that ties into validating the need as well, doesn't it? Because even even with our advisory board, there's people that, you know, they came on the journey, well, they were on the journey initially, you know, and then as the project evolves, maybe, you know, it's moved at quite a rapid pace. So some people just, they're not there at the moment. They can't keep up with that. So it's about checking in with them and saying, look, this is where the project's going. Are are you still there or do you want do you want to do you want to just be a coach or a mentor at this stage you know and then we can have a conversation in the future about your involvement but some people are not confident to have those conversations as well because I guess the advisory board is about saying well this is just my perspective and you can add to it but like I should be able to look at my phone and say okay I'm meeting with this person I don't really know where to go with it or what I should be trying to get out of it let me just call up let me just call up one of my advisory and just see what they're thinking exactly That's how it should work It should be a quick thing you yeah. know but well, a lot of people just have advisories and they, they could call them but they're not
2: equipped either so yeah. it's, back, it's back to that it's
0: back to the old um
1: x-factor thing again like people pull you pull upon your pool of friends and family because they're close to you yeah and a lot of times they're going to validate what you want to hear mm okay i need someone to tell me that i'm doing the right thing cj yeah man yeah okay cool thank you cj that's wanted to hear that's not what the advisor board should be there for that's not what your your friends and family really should be doing to you particularly yeah. if you're, you're going to go down a path and a role is going to lead to partnerships and pain mm. and you know if everyone is clear and focus what the end goal is and you all agreed upon it then they should all be willing to help you in that way and also like, their advice you want as diverse Skill set as advisable as possible because yeah. you're going to encounter lots of different things in your business career. You know that you want to, to pull upon the experience to help you in areas that you lack as well.
0: Mm. now nah, that's just. I mean, we can we can chat all day, man. But I think um just on the, I guess one of the closing points uh, kind of relates to that. You know, what are the types of businesses that you enjoy working with? So, uh,
1: I think. What I enjoy working with now are people in the area of innovation,
2: mm.
1: particularly in just sustainability, mm-hmm. Teeth back in my mouth, sustainability, because all you know, say like instance in the UK, 2030 diesel and petrol cars are banned.
2: Mm.
1: So it basically means that that industry is going to change rapidly, or this completely change, electric becomes the thing. So if you're looking ahead, what business should I start? Okay, that's changing 2030. All those ripple effects are going to start happening. happen. Let me start putting things into place now so that when 2030 comes, I'm in a good job for me and my career, my business. I can give my children jobs, et cetera, et cetera. So when I'm meeting people who are innovators, who are thinking about seven, eight, nine years' time, 20 years' time, and they come up with solutions or things that haven't even occurred yet, mm. I just, I just say that's amazing. I applaud that because- yeah. The the game changers. No, they're completely changing the game for the better. You know, so that's what I, that's what I love, working with more than anyone else.
0: That's brilliant, man. That's brilliant. And then I guess, final thoughts, then what, what would you like to see from our community? Like, what would you like to see more
2: of? So
1: if I was to say anything to our community, I would say, if, if you're listening to this podcast mm. and you want to do something to help the community, in the first instance, approach to Black Pound's project. Because the reason why I say that, they might have a skill set that you might require CJ in your organisation. Yeah. Not even aware of it yet. They might have a connection Mm. that you might need that we're not aware of it yet. And what they add, what they bring can help the project grow. Because ultimately, I, I see Black Pound's project a bit like a coral reef. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know beautiful ocean the coral is like the center point where everything gathers around yeah. and once the coral reef breaks up it's not there anymore it causes flooding it causes problems it causes horrific things you yeah. know so in the in the business ecosystem i think you found a place where you need to be because you've been proven that by people responding to what you said now i want to see for our communities actually we have someone here we have an organization here that's working like this let's go and support it and to the other people out there who run Black-owned organisations. Yeah. They should call you and work with you because partnership working is what a lot of large companies do to grow. And if the ultimate goal is to solve issues impacting the Black community or the ethnic minority community, then don't be afraid to call you and work with you because that's the best way of solving the problem. I can have a thousand companies approach me, want to start a thousand CICs to help the community. But I'd much rather feed back into people like yourselves. We start to create some structure and some umbrella organizations to move things forward as a whole, rather than working in silo
2: mm.
1: and put the bunker mentality up and not want to work with anyone else. So if you're listening, I would say, and you care about this issue, then contact CJ. If You can offer skill sets and support, even if it's free.
2: Yeah.
0: That's, that's always required. Brilliant, brilliant. And then, you know, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they get in touch
1: with you? I know your yeah, so, media. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I'm not a massive social media person, you know. I'm, t- I'm too old for that. But <laughs> I'm on LinkedIn. You can contact me on LinkedIn. I'm under Albert Biggs. And it, you see me as a black country girl up. i will also say that um, if you're out there looking for initial free business support, I'm aware that people aren't always aware of us. So if you type on the internet, LEP Network UK, It'll bring all the growth hubs across the UK and you can approach your local growth hub for free business support. But to contact me personally, you can find me on LinkedIn under Albert
0: Biggs. Brilliant. Thank you, Albert. I'm Thank sure, you, CJ. Yeah. I'm sure people got, you know, a lot from that. And, um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll definitely catch up again in the future and see how things are going with the project. And
1: Before you go, can I say one thing? Mm. Um, it's worth our people before, Thinking about starting a business, yeah. Take a quick check on their finances. So I know you got coming up soon, soon, our man Paul. Yeah, from um, conversations of money, Pete, yeah, Pete, Pete yeah. Sorry, Pete, Pete, um, conversations of money on his YouTube page. Um, check it out; lots yeah. of information on there. But I, I encounter so many people who aren't financially stable trying to start a business mm. in that poor state. And Pete can speak, more, speak a lot more about that when he gets to your podcast. But I will often say to people that take a look at your credit rating. If you've got bad credit, sort it out. And if you've got no credit, just start to improve it. So that when you go into business, you're in the best possible position, not only to like apply for grants, but also if you do want to take out financial loans, it will help you get the best interest rate to grow your company.
0: Brilliant, brilliant. See, why why we bring up them topics now, man? That, that's what we... <laughs> nah, that's all you good. You know what?
1: Because, cause like, you know, I'm not a specialist, I'm just a GP.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: maybe <laughs> talk much more about that, but I think it's important to say because that happens yeah. all too often, you know, people go into business with the, not, not with the right financial footing, which yeah. is crazy, you know, and then they end up not able to support their family and their friends, and you know, and then they can't access the right level. Do you know what you said at the very beginning about us not accessing yeah. support, the wrong credit rating, you're getting 12, 24, 30% interest rate is gonna just kill you, absolutely yeah. kill you in the long run, you know. So sort that out first of all before doing anything else.
2: Yeah. It's just be, be
0: careful in it be careful what you're setting up. And it, you know, a lot of people invest a lot into their products, you know, without validating the need. It all it That's all right, about, yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, thank you for thank you for joining us today. You're welcome, man. This, thank you for having me here. This podcast is gonna be. The you know, a game changer. So let's uh (laughs) let's just keep it moving and um tune in next week, guys, 7 pm on Sunday's Black Pounds Project
2: podcast. Thanks, Albert. Take care.